Hello, everybody, and welcome to this 18th episode of Shift. I'm Megan Murray. And I'm Ewan Semple. Hello, Ewan. Um, hi, hi, Megan. We, we are here to talk about uh, uh, relationships today. Um, I've been observing that's, some... Uh, that's probably scared off half the audience, right, for a start. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been observing of late, uh, and I'm always observing, I'm always, I, I find myself looking for these things to try to understand how folks uh, connect to one another. It's, um, you, you think about uh, the, the collaboration and... I think a lot of people don't quite understand the, uh, um, or I think there's potential for them to understand more. I don't think it's fair to say that a lot don't understand, but um, kind of the correlation between the notion of healthy collaboration, healthy connection with one another, um, and the relationship that they have. It's it, To me, it's kind of straightforward, and we see this at a lot of different levels, Um whether it be from uh, the relationship of, uh, you know, an organization to itself among its leadership, among its board, um, uh, or whomever is kind of running things, the organization with the employees, what's the dynamic there, what are the, the nuances of relationship, or how that plays out into the, or, uh, the, the relationship of the customer to the organization. Um, and then, to, you know, just to each other. Uh, it's there are a lot of pieces. I, th- I feel like the, the the word collaboration in and of itself, um, that you know, or or socially even, you're speaking to the 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 quality of relationship, whether people are actually able to engage with one another. And so much of business seems to be uh, more about competition because we're dealing with a, you know, a primarily capitalistic society. Um, <clears throat> how do, how do those two, two things work together? It fascinates me. Um, yeah, it's, 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 take on well, since just was listening to you describing it there and thinking of the thought that crossed my mind that one of the issues is our relationship to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, I can't remember the quote, but there is a quote about something about only knowing or only experiencing life in relationship. In other words, there aren't any absolutes. It's 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 our analysis and understanding of ourselves and what's happening is only possible if there is other there. If there's something mm-hmm. to relate to, in order yeah. in order to get some sense of a measure or, or relative state, um, and I suppose in a way that's that's you know we were t- money is one of our very blunt measures of relativity of of mm-hmm. the bottom line who makes more money than the other guy um, right. in terms of a corporation making money but also I suppose in terms of pecking order and who gets paid more than the other guy and uh, it's funny isn't it because the, the, the there needn't be a correlation between that and being effective or um, doing the right thing um, and I often, mm-hmm. often wonder, I mean it's funny I was making a joke about maybe squeamishness about us talking about relationships and it's a continual worry doing these podcasts is is how tangential we are you know or how unbusinesslike in conventional terms our topics are but mm-hmm. but then you know what i find really funny and totally delusional is the pretense that it's not about relationships you know i mean any business starts with you know maybe one person maybe two they have to have some relationship they have to have trust they grow that they get more people 
every every organisation is this incredible nest of complex, often dysfunctional, but complex relationships carried out on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. And, and to pretend otherwise does seem. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day there about that feeling when you were, you know, getting my first job as a manager with all these other people who who are dismissive of any of this kind of conversation. Because well, what's that got to do with work? And I'm inside. I'm thinking, but what what the hell's work otherwise? Mm-hmm. Well, to me, I mean, it, <clears throat> when I think about this, when I think about uh, my frame of reference, when I'm I'm looking analytically at uh, situations, which is kind of what I do for work, um, I think about the the root of what I'm dealing with, and what I'm dealing with is people. And uh, I think there are a lot of folks out there who say, well, I'm a people person and I can, <laughs> I can be a people person. Um, I feel that the folks who are most effective at getting their jobs done uh, are, in fact, the, the, the networkers. Mm. Um, they're given a lot of, of fun taxonomy names to, to make, make it make more sense for people. But they're folks who know how to relate yeah. Uh, yeah, there are folks who know how to uh, to balance the amount of empathy that they're able to demonstrate, and uh, they are kind of not obfuscating their humanity <laughs> with this the, the the kind of shield of it's only business and we have to behave in certain ways yeah. and we have to uh, uh, um, be brutal to ourselves and crush, kill, or nail one another. Which I love it when people describe things that way. <laughs> Um, but, uh, uh, it's, um, it's this tough and we've, we've talked about this before. It's this tough place where people aren't allowed to be people. Um, and that the, that's, um, if, if you were to take that out outside of the office space, you'd have somebody who, uh, uh, a, a doctor would be, uh, hurling a diagnosis at. It's not, um, it's not a, that's not a healthy state for a brain to be in. It's not a healthy place for a brain to be in. Um, to be in a place where you are, uh, you're kind of under this very—it's um, it, kind of brainwashing. I mean, <clears throat> you have to speak in a certain way. You have to hold yourself in a certain way. Um, everything inside of you might be screaming, "Oh, this is just so terrible and wrong," and I, I should really talk to somebody about this, but I can't because it's business. Um, uh, uh, that's it's it's kind of that avenue for corruption that you see that everybody's you know you see all the newspapers uh, stories about you know this scandal or that scandal or this poor choice or that poor choice um and that's kind of the the to me it feels kind of like the beginnings of it it's it's in a in a family if you were able to or if you you behaved in the way that we behave in business you know you'd be all over jerry springer and you know whatever other mm. reality show where you point and laugh at people for being a mess are um it's uh but but in business it's it's quite that's that's how it's done i mean again i i, I tend to go back to this example i'm like you look at somebody like donald trump and people say that he's deeply successful because he's famous and and sometimes he has money <laughs> <laughs> um, but I look at that guy and I think there's nobody on the planet who needs therapy more, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I mean, you think about it, I'm sure everybody's got their own example of that, but, um, it's, well, but, uh, but, but, but you didn't go to those extremes either. I mean, I was talking to somebody today about the, their organization getting a new chief exec and, mm-hmm. you know, we weren't exactly using the sort of language we are now, but it's what we were talking about was, was how grounded and, uh, open and networked and and 
good at relationships he may he or she may or may not be mm-hmm. um and sort of taking odds as to to which way it was going to go and you know if there is a general trend um towards this we're looking at things what the chances were of them getting the right one and uh mm-hmm. but in terms of not not needing to go to the extremes of donald trump i mean i was uh, between <laughs> this and the last podcast i wrote an article about um the three twitter um, fiascos that we had over here with, with a number of chief execs or senior folks being thrust out in front of their organisation to do Twitter events and um, suffering the predictable mauling and and basically the gist of the article was that it was because there was no relationship um, mm-hmm. because there was this sort of grandstanding um, celebrity almost culture about the senior folks and almost a sort of patronising that customers ought to be feeling lucky to be able to connect with this level of a person Mm-hmm. And of course, on Twitter, people didn't care because they weren't—they had no relationship to the organisation or to the right. to the people—and uh, and just laid into them. And uh, I mean, I think that's quite a common. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because people who who aren't comfortable, haven't spent much time online—that's what they tend to see. They tend to see that mob rule, the the, the mauling that people get, the the trolling, whatever else. Sure. And I had somebody just the other day there talking about the risk of that happening inside an organisation if you give people all these sorts of tools. And I was saying, in a, in a way, it's like, you know, if you've treated treat people like children for long enough and then you suddenly give them a loaded gun, the, th- the first thing they'll do is point it at the grown-ups. Um, and they can get aw- they, they feel they can get away with that because there isn't a relationship. There's no obligation. There's no common bond. And, you know, if senior folks are going to come into Twitter, then you have to pay your dues. You have to spend time in there and learn the ropes and become trustworthy. Um, right. and, and, and it's that willingness to invest or, or not being willing to invest in relationships that I think is what goes wrong so often uh, with these sorts of things and and also that scepticism, cynicism about the ability to establish relationships online Yes, you know the whole, the yes. whole ongoing conversation about the primacy of face to face and the quality of relationships that you can achieve there but I'm, you know, I'm reading a book um, about face, you know the, the way we, the way we uh, learned to express ourselves visually before we did uh, verbally as, as animals as it were and all the facial expressions and all they mean and how right from the word go we learned to dissemble with that mm-hmm. that we could make you know we could smile while shafting someone right, um, right. And, and that's sort of touching on what you were saying about about the uh, clothing of disconnected uh, un, inhuman behaviours Mm-hmm. in a superficial language of of the other well there's a reason i mean there's a reason that um that law enforcement it uses kind of the language that they use you know it's like that the way more syllables than anybody ever needs for, to to get a to get a message across kind of thing it's it's that there's if if you speak in clinical terms if you speak in uh uh, uh mm larger words that will uh, uh, make people feel like they might, they just on the verge of not understanding, it might mean you're smarter. <laughs> you know? there's, a, there's a lot of different tools and tactics that people take, and they're all, they're all based on kind of <clears throat> holding on to power, holding on to control, holding on to, to uh, uh, you know, 
the upper hand in some way so that well, you can or, get to the objective that you need to get to. Or even just distance. I mean, I, you know, mm-hmm, I, I've mm-hmm. talked on the podcast before about the, the self-defense mechanism. Certainly. If you like, of being a manager and feeling a weight of responsibility and then wanting to maintain some kind of distance, mm-hmm. not wanting to get into the messy stuff of relationships. Right, um, right. And, and, you know, to be fair, I mean, again, there is that, <clears throat> there is a, a limit, I suppose. You know, that... that yeah, essentially, because I mean, I, I may not be right in this, but it's the feeling that you can't. <laughs> I don't know if I'm even meaning this as I say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. <clears throat> Can we afford to get too up to our arms in relationships in the workplace? Sure, sure, sure. Can we get too existential about work? Can we get too absolutely lovey dovey? You know, so <clears throat> so I guess we're talking about t- moving a line. Mm-hmm. Um. And I suppose, again, with so much of what you and I talk about, we're, we're talking about redressing an imbalance right. <clears throat> rather than trying to swing things wildly towards lovey-dovey um, behaviours. No, there's, there's very pragmatic uh, piece of this, right? And that, that, that the, there's, there's a story that we have <clears throat> that the quote-unquote soft things um, are uh, can be deprioritized or handled later. I actually had somebody that I uh, I, I respect and, and appreciate a lot telling me a story about how um, you when you ha- when you start up a, uh, when you when you build a startup that you have to first um, create something good and and then get it out and then do this and then do that have have all these things and that at the end of the day the last thing in the line was was talking about creating a relationship with your customer and i thought mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. let me look at this in another way right yes that makes that sounds great on a on a slide deck and it looks lovely when you're trying to pitch your plan but what you're saying to me is that you're going to work in a vacuum um, the relationships that you're going to have are going to be relationships with whomever yeah. is for startup and software purposes building your tool. Um, and then you are going to um, do a whole ton of work to message out to people so that you can get uh, a customer base. Yeah. And I mean, it's just <clears throat> so, it's so backwards to me to think about, I'm going to create something that's like a surprise party gift for people and they're all going to get excited about it. But- as opposed to having a relationship with the people whose issue that you're solving in the first place yeah. and understanding them intimately enough uh, to, to be able to get it just <clears throat> it all felt very linear. And but, but that's, that's exactly the crux, I think, of, well, I, I can't remember if I spoke about this in the last podcast, forgive me if I did, but, but I did a, a series of webinars for the United Nations and it was for folks who are engaging online for, through whatever means with the public. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because, you know, I'm biased, but the good ones were getting into the territory of relationships. Yes. Um, they had realized it wasn't just producing 140 character press releases to fill a content management system with. Mm-hmm. And that if you're going to be authentic enough, uh, all, all the usual words we use, in a way that builds a relationship with people outside your organization, that's a whole different ballgame in terms of complexity, responsibility, um, the need to manage back into an organization that maybe does or doesn't feel comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, you know, if you're going to, I think this is what goes wrong with so much of the marketing that we see on the internet and, and, and on social media, that, that if you're not prepared to have a relationship with me, you're basically just shouting at me. Right. And I, I'm getting really tired of that. 
Now, I understand that some organisations may find it really challenging to have that kind of relationship and may not want mm. to um, go that far. But I do think that's kind of the bottom line. And anybody who starts following this path starts to get there reasonably quickly. Well, it's interesting, right? It's There's, there's so <clears throat> much talk about customer experience and the relationship with customers or the relationship with employees. Um, there's no conversation about employee experience, but um, mm-hmm. there, there's, uh, I still, I, I hear lots and lots about that. And then I hear about systems that will handle those relationships at scale. Um, and what strikes me is that you get to the company itself or you get to the organization itself um, and I don't, I don't know at this point uh, if anybody's done a really, really fabulous job of, of shaking out that relationship at scale outside of somebody like a Zappos or something like that. Well, I was, I was going to say, because I, mean, I had to take my iPhone into Apple the, last week because the sleep button mm-hmm. had stopped working and, and bless them, mm-hmm. even though it was out of warranty, they just replaced the whole phone. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking afterwards about that experience and I know there are issues with the Apple stores and the way they treat the staff and there are stories about it being quite draconian in some ways but equally the experience was of somebody who was willing to have a relationship with me mm-hmm. who, who was a grown-up who clearly felt empowered to mm-hmm. talk with me about possibilities different options um clearly had the decision-making ability and i found myself thinking afterwards that it's a really interesting mixture because to maintain to get to and maintain that level of standard of customer service must take an awful lot of systems and processes and training sure you sure. know it doesn't doesn't just happen so you have the rigor in the background but the intent is to form a relationship with the customer and that's why the apple stores are going to a bomb all the time right as opposed to just fobbing me off or or trying to minimize the mess or or, or um, inefficiency if, in their system deflect exactly exactly <laughs> that's that's one of my favorite words you know it's it's deflection as uh, yeah. uh you know but but that that is how we look at things though especially when you're talking about customer handling and such it's there that's kind of ingrained into the doctrine of of customer service in a lot of even the word customer see. handling handling made me wince yeah right <clears throat> <laughs> to, but to see to have that that kind of experience um which i'm sure many people have had very different experiences at apple stores too or any other place for that matter really but um uh to have that kind of experience with it, with with that or with the Zappos, it's like they, they get it. They understand how to do yeah. it at scale, and that that doing it at scale, I mean, the, the 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 short version of how do you have customer relationships at scale is you teach well and let go. Well, and of course, you know, the Zappos announcement of of holacracy has happened since we last yes. did a podcast, and you know, what, and and for those who haven't heard the story, Zappos have decided to. To some extent, and I don't think it's quite as much as people assumed in the first place, but to some degree getting rid of sure. job titles and hierarchy and the role, the specific role of manager. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're not saying it's flat. They have overlapping circles of different levels of impact and seniority. But it's it's really interesting. You know, they were such a poster child of the social business meme. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and you can just see that if you've worked long enough in an organization that sees networks and relationships as primary, then eventually the nonsense of roles and job titles and hierarchies begins to seem more and more absurd. Yes. And, and, and that's kind of where they've got to, I think. Now, they, they, you know, they may go out of business in six months, who knows? But it, it's just an, an interesting acknowledgement, I think, of the difference and, and the sort of direction that we're beginning to move in. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, it's a, it's a slow learn. And I, I think, I think what's happened with them or, and what will continue to happen with them is that, uh, it's almost the same experience as coming online and, and, and allowing yourself to be, uh, yourself and vulnerable and fallible and, uh, build relationships like you would on, on Twitter or whatever, you know, service of choice you have. They've gone out and they've given it a try. They've had a, a mm. foible here or there. They deal with the foible. They they don't say, no, we didn't have it and we're going to pass her around to yeah. six departments. They well, deal with the foible. I, I did a workshop with a client this week where one of the participants who, was, you know, who, who wasn't an older reactionary stereotypical naysayer, uh, mm. was a young lad who spent time online, but he was saying he felt that it would spook the public for them to be too open. Hmm. That, that he felt we, we prefer our doctors to be inviolable or... Is inviolable the right word? Whatever. Uh, invulnerable. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or, you know, but, and I, <laughs> I have to say, I did look slightly askance at them because I thought, really? Do, do mm-hmm. we still need... Because we, we know it's not true. And I, 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 and I find right. that the, the attempts to pretend that things are perfect and not to worry. Worry really worries me. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Well, for me, it's a red flag that something's really wrong and that I'm not going to know about it if something really is wrong. <laughs> yeah, know, no, like, if, if somebody's clearly <laughs> making it up and doesn't have a clue and are, 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 are <clears throat> sure. laughing about it, then yeah, you know, that's not, that's not right either. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I certainly don't want my doctor out on Twitter going, LOL, just gave somebody the wrong prescription. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't think that's what we're talking but about. But never mind, I'll learn from my mistake. All right. <laughs> but, but, um, but I, I think the, the, the language that, that he used, though, is that he, he doesn't want anybody to be too open. And I agree. I don't, you know, I, I certainly don't want to, to hear what my doctor had for lunch. I don't care. There are definitely, there are plenty of accounts that I've seen, especially in Silicon Valley, where um, the marketing folks go to the, to the, they swing way far to the other direction. And it's, mm. um, and you've seen those foibles too, where somebody will say something that they probably shouldn't have said. It was, it was meant to be funny and, uh, they were, uh, inappropriate or said something that, that just made clear that they hadn't had enough relationships in this world at this point yeah. to, to really be thoughtful about how to, how to represent a brand. But, I don't. Again, that's not the that's not the medium. It's the, the messenger, <laughs> you know. Well, we're um, also we're, we're learning it, aren't we? I mean, I, you know, I'm yeah. constantly tinkering or playing with this online with Facebook and whatever else, and that level of transparency or mm-hmm. uh, willingness to talk about, you know, and, and, and I I am very conscious that a lot of Facebook is just people saying what wonderful lives they have, and and yes. Um, only showing the good things. So I sometimes feel like being brave and maybe being a bit more open about the, the, the shit that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even as an individual, okay, I suppose with a modest sort of brand, if you like, for a business, I'm facing the same sorts of issues that I know sure. that more people online will trust me, the more open I am. Mm-hmm. But equally, if I do just suddenly start that horrible phrase, open the kimono, um, mm-hmm. it would have many of them running for the hills. Sure. Or at least I, pers- I, at least I think that. See, and that's interesting, I suppose, in a way, because I'm still cautious of being disapproved of, mm-hmm. as opposed to being mm-hmm. truly authentic. Right. And and I suppose that's you know it's maybe unfair of me to be then being critical of brands mm-hmm. who face collectively the same challenge. Well, you know what's interesting about it when I, when I listen to you say it in that way, what occurs to me is that 
I mean, what we're asking of brands is to have a human experience, um, to be able to look at themselves, kind of get past that place where they, they're busy believing their own pro- press releases mm-hmm. and um, getting to a place where they can self-analyze more than just the numbers and where are they going, but what is the quality of the relationship that they have with their community, employees, customers, etc. Um, and what kind of relationship do they want to have? I mean, to me, that, that, that when I look at starting a project or look at starting a business, um, that's what I'm thinking of. What, what kind of relationship do I want to have with these customers? How, how, what's the most healthy environment that, that I could create to incubate this concept that I have? You know? Yeah. Um, and, it's, uh, and, and what environment is going to sustain that? And when I think about the relationship that you need to have with a team to get something started, whether it be a project inside of a large organization, a brand new company, um, uh, you know, a podcast, <laughs> anything, it's what kind of relationship do I want to have? And, uh, and, and where might this go? Um, and it's a constant uh, uh, in-line evaluation that occurs. Oh, I mean, one of the things that we do in business that uh, – um, that makes sense for money, but doesn't make sense for people. One of the many things that we do is uh, measure things in, in uh, uh, quarters as opposed mm, to real time, mm, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, uh, um, and because relationships often are, are, you know, primarily thought of as being soft, they're not measured in the same way. They're not assessed in the same way. They're not given the same priority. Um, I know that I, with the relationships that I have, uh, not only with my, uh, my family and my friends, but also with my colleagues and my boss and that I have to, to maintain touch points. I have to, to maintain that relationship, those relationships. I have to keep them up and keep them going um, and understand, you know, where I am in those relationships so that I can behave appropriately in response. Um, and that's not, that's not something you can do once a quarter with numbers, engagement numbers, or, um, uh, you know, you can, you can see, uh, you can get a sense of sentiment for how you're doing with that relationship. Um, as, uh, like pulse points on a map, that's grand, but in terms of your ability to react in a nimble way, um, or to, uh, uh, you know, reach out in a nimble way. That's, that's not something that, that you can do. So, but I think we're learning that. I think we're, we're getting to that stage where we understand that, um, in a very, very slow way. Um, I mean, it, to be devil's advocate, I mean, it, 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 it's interesting. I mean, it sort of r- r- goes back a little bit to the whole knowledge management stuff about intangible assets and mm-hmm. our inability to, and it, you know, that kicked off because you had companies like Microsoft who had huge valuations, but didn't actually make an awful lot. Um, mm-hmm. So the products were intangible, intangible, and that's you know I'm not going to go down that rat hole because it's it's not a it's not, it's not a good place to go. Um, but if you are running a business, then the bottom line is your ability to make money. Um, mm-hmm. Not that that's the only purpose for being in the business, but it is the measure of how and, and uh, however flawed the success of your business. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have the best relationships in the world. And all love each other, but if nobody's paying you for the thing you're delivering, yes, then, then you've gone out of business. Um, so it's almost like, but the, but you're right. We've let that that measure spill back into the organisation mm-hmm. in quite a sort of mechanistic way, 
and are trying are trying to apply that to 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 things. But you know, because we don't. Nor would I want. This is why I'm so suspicious of things like clout or peer uh, mm-hmm. index. Mm-hmm. Um, they are trying to, and I can see why they're trying to quantify, measure, make mm-hmm. manageable the very stuff that we're talking about. But of course, every time I, you know, that's why I pull back from all of those tools because I want to own right. and build my relationships. I want to manage those exactly by hand, to as ma- it were. I love that to make manageable those relationships. Yes, exactly. You know, uh, exactly. That's yes. the. That's the. To me, I, I just hear Dave Snowden's voice in that that uh, term <laughs> that he uses, the autistic rationality term, because yeah. it, that to me is is uh, um, sure those numbers could be helpful, but they are not without context, without empathy, without um, that true engagement. There are their fantasy is what they are. I know. How, how, how many people have? I mean, how many how many folks have been through an employee uh, survey, the people survey, the <laughs> annual people survey that that uh, that gets sent out, right? Right, and then and then that gets. Um, but where that shows up in, on the slides in the numbers is that's part of the employee engagement program, and uh, those those programs all well-intended, all meant to kind of tick off the box that, that deals with the things that we we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, but how many of us really, truly, when we see those results come back, if we're lucky enough to see them come back in the wrap-up email that comes after, um, how many folks actually believe that what they're seeing is the, the real data <laughs> and that, and it's not just the scrubbed, good, happy, fluffy stuff? Yeah. Um, or nothing at all, even well, worse, I mean, nothing it, at all. You're taking me back to the BBC staff survey, which each year, most years, began with the question, would you defend the BBC? And I never got any further because I thought, well, it depends right. whether we're screwed up or not. Um, right. And and, right. and I was having a conversation, actually, with a couple of former senior colleagues at the BBC this week about where, where that organisation is these days. And part of its slippy slope was, A, generating the cult of the manager, uh, and professionalism and man- you know managerial attitudes and whatever else that that was a, a, a mistake, um, and also lost the characters who had the balls to stand up and say this is nonsense. I mean, it used to be a yes. place where there was lots of really feisty, thoughtful, smart people who mm-hmm. and it's not it's not I'm not arguing against the need to organise things sufficiently to make them happen. What I think we're, we're finding fault with is the cult of management and and the mm-hmm. insipid language of management, and the collusive unwillingness to say what's actually happening that scares mm-hmm. the shit out of people. And and I think you know full on engagement and real conversations with people who are fully up for um, debate and and. Um, being interested in others is, is, is such a strong character of leader, characteristic of leadership that, that in many yes. organizations we've lost. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, the, it's healthy discourse, mm. you know, and, and it being, people, being able to have a healthy conversation. Again, when we say healthy, we're not talking about happy roses, sunshine, rainbows everywhere. We're talking about being able to have a happy or not happy, but a healthy relationship. And a healthy relationship is one that represents everything. Um, just like all other things, it's not meant to be a binary conversation of good versus evil or right versus wrong. 
um, it's meant to be, we are in balance with the whole story, which means we're not going to get along sometimes. Yeah. It means we're not going to be perfect sometimes. It means that we might be awesome sometimes. It means everything. And our, our, our ability to keep our eyes open and ourselves authentic and honest about what's happening with one another uh, allows for that health, allows for that, that balance, right? Well, and, and, I, it's, I, and I suppose in a way we, 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 we certainly try to or aspire to manifest that with this podcast. I mean, it's, mm. you know, I was describing to somebody its origins again the other day and, and the fact that it was you and I having genuine conversations and yeah. me suggesting one day that we record them and let other people take part. And, you know, people have been kind enough to say that they quite often feel like chipping in when they're listening to us when they're driving or walking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is so different from the intent and the style of professional broadcasting. Yeah. Yeah. Which is that sanitized, packaged, funny language, distanced. (laughs) I was teaching somebody last night. um, uh, I I don't know if anybody can tell, but my voice has been sounding kind of husky for the last few weeks. And uh, um, I was complaining about having to do voiceovers recently with that husky voice. And uh, uh, I I was teaching somebody how to do what what we call, when you do voiceovers, the non-regional dialect, like car salesman voice. I (laughs) said, the trick is, is that you smile the whole time you're doing it. You smile as you're talking, and you can find when you smile as you're talking that things sound fantastic. No, don't make it stop. Right? Stop, stop. stop. And it suddenly sounds very creepy, very inauthentic, (laughs) very, you know, what's what's the catch (laughs) is the bit that starts to come at the end, you know. It's, it's and and we've, we've all had managers who've talk, talked to us exactly the same way. Yes. yes. I mean, I, I met up with somebody, and I'll try and make this anonymous enough not to not to be compromising the person, but a former senior BBC manager who I, I, I knew, who still had that barrier, still had that shield, mm-hmm. still talked in that slightly aloof, patronising, yes, you're interesting, but not for too long kind of tone of voice. Yeah, that just felt so disabling. I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of immune to it now, and it doesn't have any impact on me. But a little bit of me died inside when he did it to me, mm-hmm. and it brought back um, just how manipulative and and yes, um, maybe deliberate is too strong a word, but but uh, yeah, it's. I don't even think. I think. I think that's the thing. I, I, I don't ever want to give the impression that I think that it's a conscious choice that people are making. I think that, that I think certainly there are some folks who are consciously doing it um, and their reasons will vary widely. But I think for the most part, um, what we experience is, uh, uh, is the product of grooming, a product of education, a product of experience, you know, mm-hmm. of, of, of what these folks have picked up along the way and the tools that they've had to gather to survive in the environments that yeah, they're and in. And they think it's normal and that's the way the world is and it's okay. Yeah, and certainly. Yeah. That's because the relationships that people uh, uh, had with them or that they had with, with the folks who were grooming them was, uh, you know, that's as much as they're going to get. It's... Uh, Oh gosh, there's this really, really interesting uh, book that I've been uh, reading. It's a, 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 um, a, a psychiatry study um, called uh, "The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog," mm, um, yeah. and uh, there's this. It's the, the the crux of the story is is really kind of mapping psychiatry and psychology together, or actually brain study and psychiatry together, and uh, explaining 
the pathways that get built up. Um, kids from like uh, zero to three years, it's most of the development is going on in the brainstem, uh, where a lot of the uh, um, empathy and uh, the ability to uh, to uh, relate and connect um, are in existence. And then as it moves forward, as you get older, it gets into the more of the cognitive, the the, uh, mm-hmm. the cortex, and uh, more of the the linear kind of path thinking stuff like business and rules and, and yeah. uh, who, how to act and what to say and such. And I feel like uh, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting analogy when you place it over top of a, a business environment where um, you are taught to kind of ignore that zero to three region, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so that you can get to the, to the cold hard facts of, of, of business. And, uh, but the cold hard facts, and I think I've, I've made this, this uh, I've drawn this line before, the cold hard facts are that if you ignore these elements, these relationships, that your bottom line will be affected. Yeah. If it's with your employees, you're going to pay for it in, in uh, a constant churn. I mean, there are um, large organizations that I know of that consider a 10% attrition rate on a quarterly basis to be um, successful. Yeah. And I'm thinking, that's yeah. like a whole industry of, of pulling people in and pushing people out. Well, which of course there um, is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, and that's uh, that's you know certainly to some degree if you think about the the numbers of volume that's that's uh, that's to be expected. But I, I, the reasons that people leave, the reasons that people come aboard, um, uh, the more people I talk to these days, the when I talk to them about where they want to work, they're describing the environment. Um, they're not describing their perks. They're not describing their benefits. They're not describing that stuff. They're describing um, the potential for relationships. What's the culture like? What are the people like? Um, am I going to have to be in a warring session with a boss? Am I going to have to be in a warring session with a with a um, a colleague? Uh, it, what is my ability to get things done from department to department? Things like that. Um, those types of things uh, are seemingly becoming more important to people. And I think it's even more important that businesses take heed and understand those soft, quote-unquote, soft measures. If we think in the short term, um, we're going to exact, you know, short-term results. That's a simple business rule. Well, I don't, you know, th- there is so much more instability in the world of work uh, mm-hmm. and the old job-for-life environment is pretty much gone for most of us. Yes. And I think more and more people are realizing that your survival, not to be too brutal about it, depends on your networks and your relationships mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. either within your organization to be seen to be the uh, adding value and, and getting reward for it or you know needing to protect yourself against the likelihood of being ejected from your organization or as more and more of us are experiencing just that relatively fluid world of moving from organization to organization or the you know, totally freelance world that I live in. And um, in a way, as you sort of said earlier, it's, it's it's what was always driving businesses. But but once you strip away the pretense that it's otherwise, mm-hmm. um, you realise that you need to get good at it. And I suppose partly what we're talking about here is what mean what, how is, what does good at it look like? Mm-hmm. You know what what is good at building relationships? Yeah. Um, and of course, you know salesmen have always known ways to game relationships, if you like, or to, or to get good at them. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I, you know, I, I genuinely like staying in touch with people. Mm-hmm. I always have done. And even when I was in the Beeb, I would have lots of coffees with lots of people and just spend 
time relating to them. Mm -hmm. I'm now aware that a lot of my work comes, well, all my work comes through word of mouth on my network. So I now have an interest in that network being effective. Mm -hmm. Likewise, online, I've always enjoyed reaching out, blog posts that kick off conversations, nothing makes me happier. I'm very sensitive to overplaying, if you like, the commercial background to that now. Because as soon as I do, I'll be dead. You know, I'll have, mm -hmm. I'll have killed a good golden goose or whatever. You know, it, it, and I think that's again something the companies need to get subtler at, or not the subtle sense that you're, you're being disingenuous. But how do you genuinely build relationships mm -hmm. that do that? You're doing it because you want to move things on in some way, in a way that then doesn't become, in its own way, more subtly manipulative. Or using than than the more blunt, obvious ways, right? Well, you know, I mean, so there's that that whole bit about um, that that uh, a lot of the the marketing folks use about on, about Twitter or the, an online presence. You know, be in, be interested and then be interesting, right? Hmm. Um, and it's been uh, uh, I've had a fascinating experience here uh, moving to San Francisco from from Washington D.C. a few years ago, and um, you know, coming into an environment where I did not know. Um, anyone really? Um, I mean, I have uh, uh, a few business friends here and there, but uh, not no one that I would see on a regular basis. And slowly building a personal network and and uh, finding out the things that I like to do when I'm actually home and in town, and um, uh, where I want to go and who I want to connect with. And the building of that network brought me the experience of coming into contact with a ton of artists who deeply encouraged me to do more of my artwork. Mm -hmm. um, I never thought I'd show my artwork. I never thought I'd share mm. that with anybody. Mm. Uh, but because I was so deeply supported by this network, suddenly I've shown my artwork and not only have I, sh I shown my artwork, but I've sold a fair amount of it. Um, and I see opportunity for businesses to have that yeah. level of relationship yeah. with their with their networks yeah. to understand not only you know uh, and, and in a meaningful way not just in a like a, a bullet point to sell the notion of getting them online um, but in a way that they're they're listening and they they can say to themselves you know listen we can do philanthropy by throwing a lot of money at a at a local uh, charity um, or we can do philanthropy by uh, building up some new ability that we didn't think that we had and creating a pipeline for that charity. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's a different way to look at things when you're participating in the network with only the agenda of being uh, uh, a healthy uh, member of that network and a healthy member of that network could mean that you are a money-making business and a self-sustaining business and a profitable business. Mm -hmm. But it means that you are a member of the network, which means you're listening, you're participating, you're you're, well, you're and, doing and so, more than simply barking at it. Indeed, and, and sometimes pushing back. I mean, I think that is the point of a healthy relationship, yes. doesn't it? It's not all just saying yes to each other. Yes. And so, yes. Well, no, yes, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, on the blog or on the web, I get worried if everybody just agrees with me. Right. 
right. it's good when somebody comes back because at least they thought you know it's been interesting enough to make them make the effort and um, so again I think that's the, the nervousness organisations have of having to try and maintain rosy relationships and so that you don't sure. you don't get the trolls you don't get the criticism but wow actually that just makes you blind and boring and nobody trusts you you know it's right well that's, that's how you your, deal with the dissent that matters isn't it it's the equivalent of non regional dialect. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> with a smile um, online, right? It's it's you, it's it's a red flag for total bullshit. It's really I, interesting that you, you have that non-regional dialect thing. I didn't realize that the US had yeah. the same idea because in the UK it, it was always known as received pronunciation and it was what the BBC newsreaders used. Yes. Yeah, um, all, I bet you all every every country probably has their their own uh, their own version of it. But it's it's you don't want to be perceived as being from one place or another, um, so that, that you don't have any baked in um, uh, prejudices. That, well, but, that but it's funny because one of my friends is still one of the Radio Four announcers in the UK, and uh, she used to try to maintain that she didn't have an accent. <laughs> and I said, you try going into a pub in Glasgow and telling them that you don't have an accent. See how, see how you get on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I get in trouble in uh, California for using the word y'all um, uh, <laughs> when I, I come from uh, Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. um, which you know nobody in Northern Virginia says y'all, by the way, except for those of us who kind of grew up there and dipped our toes in the South. But um, it's that same thing, and uh, it's that that. Stripping away of of your your personality, your depth, your nuance, your potential for for vulnerability, your pr- potential for fallibility, um, suddenly makes you either a more controller or be more safe somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, when in fact, if you are um, somebody who consciously practices noticing things uh, and uh, um, and participating. That'll be your first bullshit detector. Yes, <laughs> um, but it hap- and it happens online too. I mean, it's I, I would much prefer to have somebody come to me and say, "Ah, oh, Megan, it's terrible that this thing has happened to you." You know what? I have no idea why. Let me go connect with the uh, uh, the rest of the team, and we'll figure out what happened and how we can help. Yeah, you know, I, I would much prefer to have something yes. like that than to start off with some of these some of these mad systems um, that people will populate their chat systems or or their email systems with. Thanks for being our fantastic, <laughs> awesome customer, and we love you so oh, much. Yeah, and all I want is something else. Don't you know? Well, when you get that boilerplate email response, oh, I mean, yeah. I had a bad experience with a product recently, and had a to and fro online, and every email started with how pleased they were to be able to help me. And I'm thinking, just stop being pleased and sort the bloody problem. You yeah, know, just... thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, and that's that's the that's the noticing things enough. To participate, you know that's that's making sure that you uh, um, are really, truly, honestly thinking about the relationship that you want with your customer when you're doing things like programming your automated systems in response or something. I mean, because yeah. yes, like you need these tools in a lot of ways. When you're talking about companies of massive scale, these, these they fo- they need to be able to manage this stuff and uh, uh, you know look at these things. It can't just simply be. Um, they're they're not in a place right now to be able to just flip a switch and say, no. here, our entire call center is going to be uh, just willy-nilly and deal with things as they wish. It just, mm-hmm. unfortunately, does not work that way. But um, but to, to know that at a very uh, uh, high level, there's got to be attention to that relationship and what the quality of the experience is, um, 
in a meaningful way, not just in a way that that's, you know, going to trim 30 seconds off of an experience or, um, you know, well, reduce click numbers or something like yeah, that. And, and it's it's going to be much more your, meaningful. It's your point about being attentive and, and having the nous to, to know when to behave in different ways, you know, like... Yes. Stay on the script if the script is the quickest, best way to get my problem solved, but be willing mm-hmm. to come off the script once we both know that it's not working. Right. Um, or don't start having a, a friendly, chatty conversation right at the beginning um, until I know that, you know, you're sorting things for me and I'm willing to have that come. You know, so just those sort of right. judgments and, and having the the perspective that allows them to make those decisions. Yeah. I, 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 you know, that's partly what I think is going wrong with the whole call centre utility banking sure. thing is it's it's, it's well, not it's, allowing it's any discretion on the part of it and that's what was about good about the apple experience i mean you know, the, the, right. the guy obviously did have a level of discretion that meant me feel made me feel like i, could, I had some relationship and could trust him to some extent the customer service environment is the perfect environment to map out the the whole of the story if you have the relationship that you have with your employees your call center employees is the yeah. filter for the relationship that you have with your customer. Yeah. So you can say all day long that we want to treat our customers 100%. We want to be the best customer service group in the world. If you don't treat your employees in a way that facilitates that, not train your employees, not control your employees, not not shave down their time, not monitor yeah. them to within an inch of their life. But if you don't have a relationship with your employees that facilitates that, again, Zappos brilliant, always a brilliant example of, of how, how this happens. In the rare occasions that I actually had to speak to somebody on the phone at Zappos because I wasn't able to get something done online. Very rare occasions, only two times. Um, it's been an, uh, an exception that was well too complicated to be handled. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person that I got gave a crap yes. immediately. <laughs> and you could and, tell. And, and I could feel that. Yeah. And because yeah, I could feel that. About, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and believe you me, I can keep somebody on the phone for a long time. And the thing that I know about working for uh, a software company that, that deals in, in uh, uh, customer service software, um, uh, the average, I think the number, at least the number last year, was about uh, $45 a phone call that a company spends mm-hmm. for the person and the, 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 the resolution. And that's kind of an average kind of number. I can keep somebody on the phone for a good long time if I'm jumpy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not alone in the world, you know. So, I yeah. mean, you, you, you think about that. You think about that in a very meaningful way. If you are, are hiring well, hiring the people that you really need for the, for the job, not just the cheapest person on the planet that you can find. You are training them and, and listening to them well. So it's, you're building a relationship with them. You're giving them the goods that they need, all of the information that they need to be, to be very successful in answering the questions that they're there to answer. But you're also giving them the confidence, the comfort, the autonomy, um, and the right to fix a customer's problem. You've, you are building a, a healthy, strong relationship with that employee um, who wants to represent you well, who understands that it's their skin in the game and that they're not just trying to meet some dumb number at the end of the day. Um, it's a very, very different animal, and it creates a very, very different environment than what we what we have today. Um, and it creates a very different experience for for you and I as customers. 
where we don't necessarily feel like we're being shouted at and uh, uh, barked at constantly. We have some control over that in our experience. And then when we call people uh, for help, we don't get that sense that we're being deflected or dismissed or uh, um, my favorite. It's, and I don't know why this is still the case for things like banks and utility companies, but uh, um, there are uh, some experiences that, that suddenly you're feeling uh, like you're beholding to them. <laughs> You know, seriously. (laughs) So it's, um, it's concentric circles of the same story. And I'll go back to what you talked about in the beginning, where it's the relationship that you have to yourself. That's kind of the beginning of it. Mm -hmm. You know, are, are you, are you looking at your responsibility in the relationship? Are you looking at how you feel about yourself within that sphere? And then are you taking that same assessment and are you pulling it out, 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 you know, from one ring to the next, whether it be your employees, your team, um, your, uh, your region, your customers, whatever. Um, it is concentric circles of the same story. It is all about a bigger piece of balance. And if we simply chuck out one side for the other, uh, you know, that it might work for you in the very short term. It might even work for you for a couple of years. It's going to fall apart at some point. It will degrade. Entropy is going to kick in and, and the, the lack of balance is going to have to be fed by something else, um, whether that's your energy, your money, <laughs> your something, it's going to, something is going to have to come in and, and take over to, to deal with that imbalance. Um, that's just the way that human beings work. And no amount of obfuscating our humanity is going to make up for that uh, just because we're, we're at work and trying to make some money. Anyway, so Bob so, 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 so There you go. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So maybe this is a good point to wrap up. We've been at this for uh, uh, almost an hour now. Um, thanks for sticking with us because I know this is a, a big one that went in a lot of different directions. Um, and, and actually just a, a thought given that we're talking about relationships and, yeah, you know, we, we, we are – albeit in our subtle way, talking at people with this. It would be great um, mm-hmm. to hear from any listeners on this topic. And, uh, you know, do drop us a note on Twitter or email or whatever other avenue you choose to. And just it'd be great to hear um, hear from folks whether this is a sort of thing that they're looking forward to hearing the next time. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd also like to hear, you know, if other folks have examples of uh, their own relationship stories or, um, you know, I've, I'd be definitely curious to understand how other people see the notion of relationship at scale specifically. Mm, mm. Um, and, and, uh, uh, you know, does that drive cold icicles into your heart or does it, does it create something interesting? All right. Well, with that, let's, uh, let's call this, uh, number 18 wrapped in, in the can and, uh, we'll see you next time for shift. <laughs>